0: Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to The Bonus Years. My name is Brooke, and I'm having a really cool guest today um, that I'm excited for you to meet and hear his story. So, uh, Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself and give us kind of the, the basics of who you are, what you're doing these days? Cool. Hi.
1: Uh, as we're talking, my, uh, my Google alarm goes off at noon to tell me that I'm supposed to take my medications. But I feel like I'm doing a musical intro as I'm walking in. No <laughs> bells. Okay. I love that. <laughs> uh, well, hi, everybody. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for, for inviting me. This is such an honor. I've, as I mentioned in the pre, it, I feel like I've been telling my story for the last 20 years and since i thought, right, people were like, what else could I have? But we live another day and it's another day of story. It's another right. part of the, of the story. Uh, but hello, everybody. I'm Daniel G. Garza. Um, I live in the beautiful California. Originally from Mexico, and uh, I'm a Texas boy too. So I call myself an original Tex-Mex. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm so excited! I, I I'm excited. I'm like I said in the beginning. I'm a ham for attention. So anytime I get to talk, <laughs> I'm
0: call to have, have you always been like that since you were a kid?
1: I say no. Uh, so don't ask my sister. I was about uh, to say,
0: what do, What do your siblings say? Because that's yeah, always the yeah, truth. Yeah. They, uh,
1: you know, there's a picture of me in pre-K uh, where we were doing a little pageant, and from what I remember, 40 some years ago, we were doing like a little thing about what do you want to be when you grow up, kind of thing. And in the photo, I'm holding a dentist picture thing, and uh, but I'm the I'm the one up front. So there's other kids behind me, and I'm the only one in front. So yes, I'm going to say <laughs> yes. Uh, so the people later don't come back and say, hey, I remember. Uh, yeah, I, I started uh, dancing folkloric Mexican dances uh, when I was in pre-K. Awesome. Uh, with La Cucaracha, I danced that. And I danced all the way through high school, so I've always been in front of people. Uh, like a lot of kids, I did drama in high school, so that. And then I took some time off of not doing anything uh, after high school and on. I just uh, and then in two thousand and five, I was offered the opportunity on World AIDS Day to do a show in this is, this is in Houston. Um, hello, Houston, Media Source. and that's my my place. That's where Daniel G. Garza was born, uh, but that's where I, I did my first show on World AIDS Day. And ah. I sat in front of an audience and talked about uh well exe in Spanish. Uh, I was very well known at that time because I uh, in my demonstration on live television, I had this kit that I would take to presentations and I had dildos and condoms to show people how to put on a condom. So I did this on live television and I got No way. Yeah. So I thought it's cable. Who's watching cable? And, <laughs> But a lot of people in Houston knew me for that. But that opened the doors, not just for my entertainment career, because uh, that launched it. I just celebrated 16 years uh, in front of a camera, I per se. And, But it also launched my advocacy work really to the level that I wanted to be. I wanted to be a little controversial. I wanted to be a little bit edgy and respectful, but edgy. Right. And that opened the door. So long story short, yes. Um, Few people would would know or really even imagine that I have a little bit of social anxiety. I'm on the lower spectrum of agoraphobia. so there mm. is a little bit of that. Um, so it takes some effort to be in front of the camera in front of people, but once I do, oh, shut me up. Let's, let's, yeah. <laughs> there's never
0: there's never a time I don't get nervous, but I yeah. love I love doing it. I love what I do. So, um, okay, that's just crazy. I'm thinking about you dancing your whole life. Um, I have a recurring dream. <laughs> it's so silly. I've never told anyone this. I have a recurring dream that I'm a ballerina dancing on point and I never got, I really never got to dance. I took, you know, a few years here and there, but like it wasn't in our budget, you know, all the like things. So I dream, I dream about it all the time and I'm just like a fantastic ballerina in my dreams. That's uh, so awesome. I started taking adult ballet lessons, uh, like because of that dream. Um, and it was so much fun because for me, uh, I don't love like the word exercise, like let's go run, let's go, you know, lift weights. I'm like, let's do something fun where I accidentally get my exercise. <laughs> like,
1: let, let me fall into the exercise.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like let's go roller skating. Let's go, you know, like I'm, I want to have fun more than I want to work out. So, <laughs> yeah. So now, Thank you know, my secret dreams.
1: <laughs> yeah, congratulations. I mean, it, it's such it's a, it's a, dance is such a dedication. I really do believe, just talking about dance for a little bit. I do believe that, that dancing from the time I was very young and in junior high, I had some, I had a really strict teacher. She was my teacher for three years. And, uh, Rosalinda, she passed away several years ago, but mm-hmm. she was strict. I mean, imagine Debbie Allen in fame. That yes. was her. Like, wow. Again, again and discipline, and teamwork, and dedication, and professionalism, and sacrifice, and she she taught me all that in in junior high, so seventh grade, this is in Mexico, but uh, it really formed who I am as a person now, because I look back, and a lot of the, you you must do this, a a lot of the self-imposed discipline that I have, and uh, standards that I have for myself, are from them. And so for anybody listening and or watching, uh, take some dance lessons, get involved, and it'll show you a level of discipline that you might not be aware that you that you needed in your
0: life, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you don't know it at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up being a musician. My mom's a musician. Um, and so, you know, every time there was an opportunity to sing, I was there. And that's where my discipline came from, was like... Nice. You know, I had raw talent and then one day raw talent wasn't enough and I had to learn to work at it and like trust myself and that you have to practice if you want to get better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you've got to practice.
1: For all the people out there who have an influence over art in schools. Yes, yes, it it is so valuable. It does teach you a a lifelong
0: lesson. So, yeah, it really does. And it starts young. So I love that. Okay. I yes. love this. I could talk about dance and art all day. <laughs> we might have to have a separate podcast for that. <laughs> um, I would love to hear uh, your story. So we're both Transplant Life Ambassadors. I mean, not Transplant Life, Life Bulb Ambassadors. Yes. And that's kind of how I got to know uh, who you were and about your advocacy work. Um, why don't you tell us kind of like your origin story um, to kind of connect the dots for people, um, about why you're doing the advocacy that you do now.
1: Sure. So, uh, again, hello everybody. Uh, so my story, uh, my official story actually starts when I was a kid and I was, I was a baby born, uh, picture it, December 26 1970, a young baby is born. We shall name him Daniel. and uh, um, uh, I, was, I was born with a, with a closed up stomach. So I was born not eating very much when I was a baby. And then, so from the time I was a baby, I already had some health issues. And, and this will make sense later in the story. So let's just put a pin on that one. Um, fast forward to 2000 when I was, uh, I got really sick. Uh, I had a pneumonia and I was losing muscle. Uh, my hair was falling out. I, I went down to 108 pounds, uh, very weak to the point where my boss, basically, I was working at a restaurant this in Houston, and sent me home because I was looking too sick to work in a restaurant. Mm. Uh, end up going to the hospital, uh, diagnosed with AIDS. So that was that was the beginning of my adult story with with health issues, uh, to the point where. They were making plans for me to not wake up the next morning. They were really—he's like, wow. not. We're not going to make it. Uh, and I have a bunch of stories on that end, but I'll tell you. And spoiler alert: I didn't die. I made it. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, this is, this is really- <laughs> here he is. Yeah. Uh, so I spent three weeks in the hospital, and uh, when you come from a Hispanic, you uh, know, traditional, conservative, religious family, um, anything that has to do with sex or sexuality is pretty much taboo. Uh, It's kept in secret, there's all kinds of shames associated, complete silence on it. Well, now gay son is in the hospital with AIDS and unfortunately in 2000 for every one pamphlet that there was out there in Spanish information, there was about 20 in English, so information was very limited. And what was out there was not very culturally sensitive most of the time. So it was really odd. Uh, my family didn't know much about HIV and AIDS. And I, I confess this now that I was selectively naive about the situation. Mm. Because as a, as a gay man about to turn 30, I only knew what I wanted to know about HIV. And it was pretty much, don't get it because you die, Don't date anybody who's positive. But I didn't go get tested. I did right really care about condoms. Now, when I, I want to make a disclaimer uh, here. I was on drugs and alcohol for 16 years, uh, from the time I was 20 to the time I was 36. I'm about to hit 15 years clean and sober, but at Congratulations. the Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. One of my biggest accomplishments in life. And, but at the time I was on drugs and alcohol, so unprotected sex was common in my life. I didn't just, and, and because they associated with other drug addicts and alcoholics, which is something we were aware uh, Got better. That's what kind of when my advocacy work started because I needed to learn from me and I needed to learn from my family to be able to teach them about HIV and AIDS. Got over that, and we'll fill in the blanks as we go along, but yeah. um, survived that. Um, I just celebrated 21 years HIV positive in September. Um, wow. So that's, yeah, it's, that's huge in my life too. Um, over the years, like many other HIV positive people, and because of culture just like people uh diabetes uh cholesterol high blood pressure you name it it comes with it it's kind of like a package deal i feel like you buy the HIV package and you get the combo <laughs> with it. it's like it comes with it i so, understand manageable, yeah manageable manageable now what i didn't know was that i had also had HPV at some point but i didn't oh, wow. know this yeah because back in i mean I'm, i just turned 51 back in Back in my days, uh, <laughs> we didn't talk about it. So I never knew. So um, November 2014, I started having problems going to the bathroom. And I, I was working a lot outside and was always busy. And I just thought it's it's, it's just my diet. I'm not taking care of myself. I don't drink enough water, etc. cetera. Uh, I went for a checkup and... I hadn't told my doctor for some reason that I had a hernia. Hmm. So when you went really to go check, I had a strangulated hernia. And that for anybody out there, it's when the hernia, the opening, your intestines are it's big enough for your intestines to go through it, and then when you move, it squashes it, so you can't go to the bathroom. Wow. And um, so he immediately sends me like this is on a Wednesday, and I remember it was a Wednesday, and he's like, I'm calling the specialist, I went to see the specialist on Thursday. I had surgery on friday that's how wow. serious it was and six weeks of recoup time staying bad uh, they give you pain pills i never took the pain pills and this will make sense in a minute because uh the pain pills cause constipation and i was already taking other pain pills for my arthritis and i was like i'm not going to double up uh for everybody i i, I have uh, i also had tb when i was first diagnosed with aids so TB meds uh, mess up your cartilages. And so I've had arthritis most of my adult life. Kind of like everybody's like, I wake up like a 20% for anybody, 100%, I wake up 20% every day. And that's just my normal now. Um, Anything under that, I'm like, yeah, it's a good day. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so six weeks pass, I go for my checkup doctor's like, are you having any issues? I'm like, well, I still can't go to the bathroom. He's like, well, that's weird. You should have, like, everything should be okay. I'm like, well, he's like, it's the pills. I'm like, well, I'm not, I didn't take the pills. He's like, oh. So he does the finger probe and he felt the mass. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to write a note and send you back to your primary. I'm like, oh, that's never a good thing. Never a good thing. Because I know they're not planning a surprise party for me yeah. when I get to the doctor's office. when they want you to come
0: when they want you to come in right away, it's nothing to cheer about. Yes, I am,
1: <laughs> I am not expecting balloons and cake when I walk into the doctor's <laughs> office, that's for sure. or tacos. Um, so he sends me to my primary and he's like, well, let's see what's going on. So he does a probe. and again, he's like, let me call this doctor. He calls Dr. Rad, who became my doctor. and he's like, some, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on Thursday, I'm visiting the doctor right away. Like, this was fast. And for anybody who's been in health issues, you know when, it, they, when they do something that fast, it's issues. So I go to Dr. Rad, and he does the probe. And I do comedy, and one of my jokes in comedy is that having having been probed that much, I finally realized what it's like to be a Muppet. Oops. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. And so he does the probe and he felt something and he's like, I think we need to do a biopsy, which you what's know, a colonoscopy thing and all that. If anybody has ever had a colonoscopy, I, this is the moment where you sigh because I know you're remembering what that prep juice tastes like. I call it the <laughs> devil juice. The devil that juice. The devil juice. And uh, so if you've ever had it, I know you're cringing right now. At- yes. So. Um, Continued, so I we we did the biopsy, uh, having issues, having issues, couldn't go to the bathroom, pretty much surviving on soups because that's the only I could eat. And uh, for anybody, it's, it's basically you have a, a plug, you can't poop, and everything just holds back. So we were at that bo- at that point where it was about to turn septic, and it was just really horrible. I was so sick, and I felt so horrible. I still managed though. We were talking before, like. I still managed. I still worked. Uh, I still did presentations. I had my podcast. I was, I was like a couple of years into dating my boyfriend. Like I still managed, but I think that's just so, people are like footnote here is when people are like you're so courageous and like you're so great. I'm like no, I just had to survive. Like it's right. just live. Like the universe wasn't like giving me a break. It was like here's a challenge. How are you gonna do it? And I just. <laughs> I just kept looking at God and going, Hey, gee, what the hell? Like give me a break here, dude. Yeah. And uh, so we do the biopsy. um, I call the doctor and it just happened to be Cinco de Mayo on that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I call my doctor, I think it was a Tuesday and uh, I didn't have an appointment till like Friday. And I'm like, I can't anymore. Like you've got to like, what are we doing here? So he's like, if you can get here within the hour, I have surgery. If you can get in the hour, I will give you your biopsy. I knew at that moment, like before we even got in the car. And for anybody who's familiar with California, um, I live in Laguna Beach. My partner lives in Culver City and my doctor's in Newport. So he's halfway point and we're at, we, we were there. We're on our way. So we go to the doctor and, um, Dr. Rad had this unique way. But First of all, if Dr. Rad ever hears this, he's adorable. He's a good-looking man. Always smells good. So when you're going to get bad news, at least if your doctor is good-looking and smells good, it's a lot better.
0: It does make it better. I agree. It makes it
1: better, yeah. <laughs> when you're looking in the eyes, you're like, man, you're good-looking. What was that? I have cancer? Yeah, but look at those eyes. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> so he tells me, it's like, you have anal cancer. So I, like everybody else, I mean, I'm sure everybody has that moment where you're like, dang, like, like, like reality check. Spun, yeah, the universe spun the wheel and, and you just happened to land on cancer. Like, ugh. like, didn't I give enough of my life with HIV already? Like, good. Um So I, I cried a little. And one of the things that I, I I was, that's always in my brain is that Dr. Rad got up, uh, put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, look at me. And I'm looking down, I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. He's like, look at me. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And he's like, look at me. So I looked up at him and he's like, we got this. And it was the first time in all my history of doctors that a doctor had said, we got this, mm. not you're going to be fine. We're going to take care of it. Like and he's like, we got this. And I was like, and I believed him. I believe, I believe, like, whatever you decide, I believe you. So I started treatment, uh, did, uh, chemo, 40 rounds of radiation, uh, Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, it did take away the cancer, but it was sitting on my sphincter, so it took half of my sphincter away. And so it was either diapers for the rest of my life or an ostomy, uh, a colostomy, and we chose the colostomy. So I have my bag. Uh, His name's Tommy. I was going
0: to ask if you named it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: So for everybody out there, most people with ostomies name them, psychologically it, it, it connects you so you don't feel disconnected from from the surgery. So his name's Tommy, uh, colostomy, Tommy, uh, I mean, awesome. Cost- yeah. Uh, and, uh, colonoscopy is what we had. Anyway, yeah. don't what talk about. And, um, so that was it. And, uh, it hasn't come without his troubles, I mean, but life is good. And for everyone who's like, who the heck are you? What, uh, I've I've created several different career paths for me. So among, I'm an HIV and anal cancer advocate and uh, consultant and public speaker. I'm a spiritual coach, Reiki master, and uh, intuitive card reader. I'm an actor, comic. I produce, direct, and host uh, live stream shows with my partner. Uh, We own our own production company called Little Mexican Productions, Inc. And I wrote a book. my COVID baby is a book called Grumpy Bunny and the Colors Game. I just I
0: like pre-ordered it or ordered on on Amazon. Did online. you?
1: I did. Oh, oh my God! Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this will
0: be fun to read with my kiddos.
1: Uh, it's it's a book for children. Um, it it brings together uh, uh, spirituality and energy work and uh, things that I wish my parents had said to me when I was a kid. Uh, so he's Grumpy Bunny is after me Um, (laughs) you when you open the book you'll see a picture of me in the back there's a picture of me when i was a little boy that's who i wrote for i wanted him to feel special and but yeah so like my life is definitely a balance of exceptional moments and very sad ones too so that's in the nutshell we can talk
0: about it i just feel like uh you know saying you know what you just said is profound like but we are all like we are all united by the fact that we have exceptional moments and really hard times and like sometimes i think we like don't recognize that that's part of like growing as a human and being alive you know when i almost died before my liver transplant like it just felt like i had you know, a basically successful life. And now I'm making a choice to have like a half life. Um, and because I got sick so suddenly, it was very much like I don't feel like I had a choice in the matter of my patient care and all that kind of stuff.